Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hey. Hello there. So with no further ado, we've got a lot to cover this week, some great interviews. We're going to be talking a little bit about the technology behind the masks, or at least what there is, and some other things. So let's go ahead and go straight into the news. 275 days since Equifax's data breach settlement, and no one has been paid. I'm shocked. Let me recover from that. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, this is, uh, you know, I, I, when we first looked at this, and when this was announced, there were all kinds of problems. It was supposed to be $125, or you could get several years of data monitoring, you know, by the people that got let our data out, which is kind of interesting. But the bottom line of it is, is we are now, well, 275 days is a little bit less than a year. Uh, so it's been a while and no one's been paid. They're not sure that anybody's going to be paid. And, you know, these type of things, they need to deal with it because data breaches are becoming more and more of a problem. In fact, we've had a 17% rise uh, between 2019 and uh, 2018. And over 4 billion records have been mismanaged during that time period. That's there's, a shock. There's got to be some responsibility for this, I think, you know, and I think a lot of people feel that way. So Agreed. Let's keep on top of it and see what we can find. But for right now, we haven't been able to find anybody that's been paid. .org top-level domain sale formally rejected. We covered this a few weeks ago, and what this was about is when you have an internet domain name, they end in a dot something. The original ones were .com, .org, .net, .edu. They've expanded a lot in recent years, but the .org, which was primarily, not exclusively for nonprofits and organizations, .org, was going to be sold so that a company could start making profit off of the domain name. And the Oregon Attorney General's office got a hold of this and decided this might not be a good idea. And they started looking into it. And apparently in the last week, this has officially been rejected. This is a win for public interest internet because it's going to mean that you can continue to register a .org without it costing more money or a different amount of money, depending on if your domain is deemed more valuable or less valuable, like they're doing with some of the new extensions. So a lot of the questions that we've been having come in with the COVID has to do with masks. And in some jurisdictions, they're required. In other places, they're recommended. And there seems to be a whole slew of uh, different requirements. So joining me is an individual from the healthcare industry. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. So I guess the first question, and just straight out, does it make a difference to wear a face mask? I mean, should you do it, do you think? So personal opinion from the research that I've done from talking with people in the field, um, has it been shown to be hugely protective against COVID? Not necessarily. Has it been shown to help people remember COVID? Yes. Okay, that makes um, sense. It's also better than nothing. Um, it will protect against even just a regular cloth mask that you pick up. Still protects to some degree against uh, droplet protection and things like that. And in order to keep you from inhaling it, if somebody near you happened to cough. Right, right. It also blocks your mouth and nose so that if you're handling something contaminated, hopefully you remember not to touch your face anyway. But if you do, you have that little bit of barrier there. Now, what about things like cross-contamination? If you take the mask off with your hands that you've touched, you know, going to the grocery store products or something, is there a procedure that's recommended for dealing with that, or is it just pretty much kind of do your best? 
So there's two main things with it. One is when you take your mask off, try to do it in such a way that you're not touching the front of the mask, the part that's going to have trapped particulates. Okay. Um, if you have a, an over-the-ear one, you take it off, you keep it from snapping, and you just kind of draw it across the face and off the other ear. You really try to prevent touching that surface. Um, if it's disposable, throw it away. If it is a washable, mine, I have a washable one that I take, that I take with me to work. As soon as I get home, it comes off, it goes in the sink, and I immediately start running it under hot water and apply a little of antibacterial soap to it. Okay. Um, it it's one of the first things that I do just to kind of keep that surface from contaminating anything else. Now, the does, other big part of it. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the other big part of it is any time you're handling your mask, you should at least use hand sanitizer. At best, you should be washing your hands for at least 20 seconds after putting it on or taking it off. Um, it's something that when you go out in the public, you want to put on and leave on until you're back home. Um, every time you put it on or take it off, you have that chance of cross-contamination to your hands that then when you take it off, you're up fiddling near your eyes, you're near your mouth, things you don't want to want to get infected. Right. Okay, and that makes sense. And the material that you would make a mask out of versus if you ordered one off of Amazon or something, is there really a a difference? Is one made out of an old T-shirt just as good as one you might buy? So there are various levels of protection. You have everything from the N95 that the news has talked a lot about that is you know, it goes down to a 0.3 micron, I believe, uh, right. filtration system, which is pretty small, um, all the way up through, as you said, tying a T-shirt over your mouth. Um, by way of the level of protection, the more layers you have, the better protected you are. Um, an N95 is very necessary if you're going to be up close and personal with people because it really has, it, it'll block what's known as aerosolized particles. Um, so a normal cough causes droplets. Right. Aerosolized would be things like a dental procedure or uh, uh, intubation in a hospital. Those things that really cause it to put off the very small particles. Um, so an N95 is necessary for those. When you get out of that, when you're dealing with just going around, you know, going around town or normal business, uh, generally I see recommended at least a two-layer mask. You have one on the outside that's going to hopefully trap most of those particulates and then that extra barrier right in front of the face. Um, is that necessarily that much better than a single layer? Hopefully you're not in any condition where somebody's going to be sneezing right in your face anyways. So probably not a huge difference. Okay. So it sounds like it depends on what you're doing. So maybe later when the um, st- places for like haircuts and salons and all of that reopen, then you would want the N95, if I'm understanding that right. So for somebody in something like a hair salon who's going to be right up next to people, um, you're probably looking at, you know, at least a cloth mask, hopefully a disposable in between people, probably not to the level of an N95. That N95 is going to be for things that are really aerosolizing. Okay. Um and you, you really want to leave those for the people in the healthcare field and your first responders and things like that that are, um, yeah. And I know there's been a shortage of, of this kind of equipment too. So that also makes a lot of sense to, you know, use what you need to use, but allow the providers that really need the good stuff to be able to get it. And that's a huge part of it. 
Um, another big one is if, if you're worried about being contagious, and th- that's one of the things that the masks really do, is they, they prevent the spread of contagion by the fact that I don't know if I'm sick necessarily. I could be in that 14-day incubation period. If I cough, if I do anything, it sticks to the inside of my mask. Right. I'm not getting it on the surfaces at the grocery store. I'm not getting it on other people. Okay. I'm not throwing those particles out into the air. If you think you're contagious, don't go out. Um, so ideally, if you go to the hairdresser, you're not coughing, you're not sneezing, you're not doing those things. Is it safe? Social distancing is, is one of the best ways to keep from getting sick. So if you want to risk it, go ahead. Um, but keep in mind the fact that that cloth mask, if something happens in that close of contact, anything under an N95 is probably not going to be real good protection. And if you're getting to the point where you need an N95 mask, probably not real safe to be doing it in the first place. Yeah, it would seem like if you're going to be in that position, wait if you can. And, uh, you know, for the first time since I was a teenager, I'm starting to have a ponytail again. But you know what? That's just fine. (laughs) So, all right, Jim, thank you so much for is there anything else you want to tell us? I just really reinforcing the the two biggest things that we can do to help prevent the spread of the coronavirus and any illness, even if it's just the regular flu or a cold, that social distancing is really key. We found that coughs and sneezes don't travel more than about six feet. So that six foot of distance really eliminates that possibility. The other one is make sure that you're keeping yourself clean. We, as Americans, don't generally wash our hands enough. So it's not just for after the bathroom anymore. Make sure that you're washing your hands several times a day, especially if you return home after being in public. Really a good idea to make sure everything stays clean. All right. Sounds great. Thank you so much. This is User Friendly. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We do a lot on this show with people that are creating content, artists, movies, books, that type of thing. And reporter Steve Mailer is joining us today with his guest, Terry J., who is an author. And not so much looking at necessarily the subject matter, but more what goes into publishing a book, making television shows, that type of thing is very interesting. Joining us now, welcome, Steve. Well, thanks, guys. Welcome to our next segment. I have another author with me today here on User Friendly. Her name is Terry J, and she and I have worked together on a few projects over the last five or six years. We don't like the word psychic, but uh, she is what we would refer to, at least we've previously referred to as an intuitive messenger. She now refers to herself as a cowgirl shaman, which I think is very catchy. So, Terry J, welcome to User Friendly. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. No, it's our pleasure. How did you start in this type of work? I mean, were you born an intuitive? Well, truthfully, everyone is born an intuitive. We are all born with intuitive abilities. But I was never one that would seek out a card reader or, you know, a a psychic to have a reading done. I, I thought all of that was total BS. But what happened with me is I was doing horseback therapy with disabled kids, and I heard a nonverbal child. 
once I had it confirmed, then the suggestion was made to learn to communicate with the horses because that would make the program really safe. And one thing has led to another, and now I know that there are no limits to these abilities and everyone can develop them because of physics. Everything is energy, frequency, and vibration. Okay, so I mean, that's actually very interesting. So the, so the nature of what you sense is based on physical energy. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, very, that, that's a very different approach to how people normally think of in terms of reading psychic energy. I've never heard of that before. You know, everything is physics. So we all have that energy within us. And all of these abilities are available to develop for, for anyone. We're all intuitive, clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairaudient, and claircognizant. Claire just means clear. Clear seeing, clear knowing, clear feeling, clear hearing. We all have all those abilities. Every one of us has thought of a, somebody that we haven't talked to in a long time, and we just think about them, and the phone rings, and it's them. So, so the the cowgirl shaman way seven easy steps to develop your intuitive ability. That is the title of your book, and and so it sounds like that's the nature of the book is for people to discover an ability that they don't know that they have or don't know how to use. And and also for those people that have been stuck or dabbling in it and just confused about how it all works, you know, this really gives them that guidance that they've been seeking. You say that anyone can do this type of work. How do you get over a so-called stumbling block when people don't necessarily believe in it? I mean, does the book teach you how to get over that? I think so, because, you know, this I'm not one of those people that just would would believe in in going to psychics or having cards read or I didn't believe in any of that stuff. You know, I thought they were all phonies. I didn't know that there okay. was any validity to any of this work. But that's why for me, being a horse person my whole life, you know, I'm pretty pretty down to earth. I was out there shoveling manure this morning. So you can't get much more down to earth than that. No. And and so to me the anomaly of being a cowgirl and yet than being a shaman who works in healing and the ethers and communicating with other realms. It, it really is all based in physics. That's the only way I could accept it. You don't normally sense things that are negative or like negative types of energies. Why? How is that? Well, we all have to develop discernment. You know, everything is either negative or positive in physics. Okay, and, and that makes so sense. People don't understand this. When someone dies, everything negative that is not a vibrational match to the other side or source has to get shed off and left behind because it okay. can't go to the other side because it's not a vibrational match. So people shed off all their negativity, their feelings of unfinished business, uh, sadness, feeling stuck, all of those negative feelings okay. get shed off and left behind. Well, if you're a sensitive or an intuitive, a medium, you can tune into that negative energy garbage that the person shed off. And if you don't have discernment, you can assume the person is stuck, needs help crossing over, uh, all that stuff. Okay. You just don't know any better. So in your mind, there is no unfinished business. One, mm -hmm. Once, as soon as you die, you, you just go to the other side and the energy is positive. Yes. Wow. And I counsel a lot of people that are grieving and, and they, they feel like they can't connect to their loved one who's passed because they're wanting their loved one on the other side to help them with their problems here. And they can't because they can't even see them. Okay. You've mentioned animals and you've mentioned readings of, of people who have passed on. So you do all types of different readings. The for only people. things that I don't do are police work. I don't like it because it's negativity. And the, the other types of readings that I don't do um, 
our predictions. And, and it's really, it, it, there's a lot of people who do this work that do predictions, but I believe because of the law of attraction that any kind of prediction is unethical to do. So what are, what are your favorite types of readings then? Most of I the animals? I love to do barrel horses. I have thousands of barrel racing clients and, and I love helping them figure out is the horse having a problem or are they having a problem? And a lot, sometimes it's a little of both. So I love working with all kinds of horses. I do all kinds of even very high level competition horses and I do those all over the world. And then my other, my other most fun thing is to talk to people who have passed because I always joke that I can't make this stuff up. It's just too specific. And I get information and, I, and I'm thinking WTF and I share that information and my client either you know, bursts into tears or gets hysterical laughing because there's no way I could have known that information. It's just bizarre. Okay. In terms of the information, like as you do a reading, do they give you any, like what do you start with? I mean, do you, do you just, something just hits you over the head? I just always say, how can I help? And if they say, I want to talk to my, my brother who's passed, and he was this old when he passed, and he had this disease, or he did this for a living, and boom, I've got him. I've made that energetic connection to my client with unconditional love, which is the most powerful energy in the universe. And then, as they start talking about their person or their pet who has passed, I instantly can feel them through them, and then I can make a direct connection. Again, it's just energy, frequency, vibration. That is amazing. So how, how does one get your book? What's your website? My website is www.terrijay.com. You can get my books on my website. It is also available on Amazon. That's T-E-R-R-I-J-A-Y.com. And if you order it from the website, you get it autographed. Well, I think you're going to find a lot of readership here because the, the topic is amazing, Terry. Well, I, I certainly appreciate you being on our show here at User Friendly. And you and I are going to be talking about another segment after the break. So hang with us, okay? Okay. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to User Friendly 2.0. We're about to join Steve Mailer with his interview in process with Terry J. As they now talk about television production, we just talked about her book. What goes into the television production and how have they been working on that? Well, thanks, Bill. Again, we're talking here with Terry J., who is the cowgirl shaman and a very dear friend of mine who we've done some television work together in the past. Uh, we did a pilot about four years ago, half hour pilot called Intuitive Messenger. And that was uh, a series of very interesting readings that uh, Terry was doing for folks who had lost pets or loved ones or was having some kind of communication problem with a pet that seemed to be in pain in some way. Terry, thank you for hanging with us here at User Friendly. And tell us a little bit about one of the new TV concepts that you're working on that has kind of evolved out of Intuitive Messenger. Well, I did some changing in my branding. I'm calling myself a cowgirl shaman because it really fits. Mm -hmm. And I love it because it's an anomaly. You know, you think of a cowgirl as being so down to earth. 
and then you think of a shaman as working in the ethers. They, they're kind of opposite. And uh, so, but it really fits because I can be out there working with my horses and cleaning corrals and doing all that down to earth stuff and then turn around and talk with people on the other side. It's just a gas. That, that is definitely a very interesting combination, something I have not heard of. So with, with everything that's been happening with COVID-19 and this pandemic, you have kind of embarked on a producing a, a different type of TV. It's similar to what we did before with Intuitive Messenger, but it's it, it carries a, a term that is, is new to me called virus-proof television. Now, we, we've started doing some pre-production and some test segments, and we do have some lined up guests to do additional readings with. What's the concept now, or has it changed much from Intuitive Messenger? I think my branding has changed because I'm owning being the cowgirl shaman. I've even trademarked it. And, and I think the, the show is going to be incredible because nobody has to have physical contact with anybody. That's why I call it virus proof, is because I can be here in my studio. You can be in yours recording it. Of course. And then we can have our client in their home recording from their end. So the technology has just made this all very, very possible, and it's very exciting that we'll be able to do readings for people all over the world and then share it with the world. There you go. Okay. So what are we, once, once the episodes are produced, what, what's, what's the plan? Well, we've been told that the, the project has landed on some very big desks in L.A. Okay. And so we're hoping that once we get some of the episodes actually produced, that they're going to just jump on it because they're they're screaming for content because so many productions are dependent on people all being together and we have to have more virus proof shows and i think the cool thing for us is people are very used to now seeing people uh, broadcasting from their homes and their basements yes. and 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 from other locations i mean i can go out in my corrals and have my horses behind me and and do a segment there yeah, that in fact, that's probably something you and I should talk about. Yeah, I mean, in yeah. fact, I I know that um, there has been a glut of shows where you have a a series of of gamers playing Madden or Xbox Live, you know, other games uh, because people can't be together in at least in the same place or at the same time. So it does seem to be a certain uh, a new novel way of of doing television. You know, I'm really excited about doing this uh, remotely as for doing it in person. It was one of the things I was concerned about, you know, as we've been pitching the show concept, is having to be next to a person or actually look at a horse or a dog or, or a photo of a, a de deceased person. When I do my readings, I want nothing ahead of time. I want no information because I want to just be able to pick up on the energy of it and, and not look at the physical. Okay. Well, I think that actually tends to make what you say even more believable because you haven't been prompted. You haven't, nothing's been shared with you. It actually kind of makes sense. Right. I just need like one or two pieces of information in order to connect to either a pet that's here, a pet that's passed, a human that's passed, and also to communicate with people that can't communicate, like people that are in a coma or with a persistent vegetative state or severe Alzheimer's or dementia, you know, strokes. Uh, TBIs, I can communicate with those people 
and I don't need anything in order to do that other than those few pieces of information and then my client that I'm working with, their focus on that person or animal. Okay. So this virus-proof TV concept is actually better suited for you because you don't like doing, I mean, you don't prefer to do them in person. Right. I, I really prefer to do it um, at a distance and I do most of my work by phone because I'm not distracted by the physicalness of the person or the animal. So this is a perfect tailor-made concept for us then. It's very exciting. It is very exciting and I look forward to doing a lot with that. So Terry, thank you so much for being on this segment of User Friendly. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, back to you in the studio. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Got a really cool guest for you today. Danny, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> now, Danny, in addition to running a great little uh, place called Social Goods here in Newburgh, is my brother. So, uh, you know, anybody that's sending in questions or comments, make sure you give them a real hard time. Yeah, I mean, that's all I'll admit to it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> if it hasn't been already, how are you doing with this lockdown? Oh, my goodness. What day is it again? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it's been quite interesting and, and definitely a change. And I'm sorry if you hear, uh, you hear my little ones in the background there. We're, you know, uh, working out of the home. And so, hey, it's the soundtrack uh, of the new normal right now. <laughs> so what have you well, guys been dealing with i know you're still you, you can't have dine-in service of course nobody can and you're do, still doing delivery so how is that working and what have you seen to make this happen yeah we kind of had a uh, surreal four days when the lockdown uh, kind of occurred here in oregon so for for the first four days we were had a mandatory uh, that we had to close uh i mean we we're very good at pivoting and kind of forecasting on, on what our next couple of weeks, months, years are going to look like, but we didn't anticipate this as a full all right closure. Right. So within about four days, we had, uh, our, you know, we have a small team of seven employees and we had to let them all go. Uh, there was no way that we could see that we could continue doing payroll with no income coming in. Uh, that was a scary and very sad time. In addition to that, I had just left a full-time position not too long ago to go all in into this entrepreneurship over here at the store. Right. Um, and so, okay, let's let go of, you know, uh, uh, any kind of health insurance. Let's let go of uh, anything that is a security here. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, and, um, and then we had a tidal wave of cancellations. And so a big arm of our, our operation here is uh, events. We go off-site, we do weddings, fundraisers, et cetera. And, Man, within about four days, we lost over $100,000 in reservations alone. That's a huge part for a small business. So we had this, uh, the shock, and then uh, that packed on top of how serious is this health concern? Like, how serious is the coronavirus? Is this something that, you know, we need to pack up the family and go head into the woods? Right. Find a right. cabin somewhere? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we got into survival mode. Yeah, yeah. but it's just. You know, and with everybody having to hunker down, you know, you're dealing with a situation. So you were you were locked down for four days, and then the health department said, "Well, you can do delivery," but this is something that's very different than your normal business model. So how did that work? 
Yeah, delivery was something out of the norm, and now we we. We were really concerned because the, the, the profit margin in food is very tight to begin with. Right. And to do it appropriately, you usually have your staff and the you know, on-site service. You depend on an 80% occupancy on, on your busy times. And so when that's cut down to zero, now we're exploring delivery. And that would be pretty much myself and my wife uh, working around the clock. And if we're out doing a delivery, we just have to put a sign on the door that says, sorry, we're, we're closed, but we'll be back as soon as we can. Wow. Um, and there's a lot of different technologies out there. There's a lot of different services. We have uh, your Uber Eats, your DoorDash, your HubGrub, and then there's a lot of popping up services that are uh, kind of one-offs just locally uh, isolated to the region. So, um, uh, so there was a kind of a lot to explore in a whole new territory to try to figure out and try to navigate. So the, uh, th- th- I was going to say this kind of thing. I know I've been in restaurants back before, you know, everything got weird and they'll have five or six monitors sitting behind the cash register. Are these the delivery services? Yeah, assumingly so. They're the delivery services and their point of sale. Uh, one, one thing that we use is Square Point of Sale, and it's uh, kind of a mainstream one. They did a really good job within a week of the closures to be able to come up with uh, a real uh, a user-friendly solution right. for uh, non-tech-savvy uh, folks to get with and get with the times for online ordering and being able to adapt to saying, okay, this ticket is not going to be a delivery ticket, being able to assess uh, you know, cooking times, delivery times. And that was a, a real good thing uh, that they came out with. What we were concerned with is if we're at a 30% profit margin, you know, you know that's a very uh, loose term there, and you have these other uh, services that are coming in, they're taking 25 to 30% oh, wow. right off the top. And so either we charge that to the consumer, which makes us non-competitive, or we just are okay with making a very thin of what already is a really thin margin for, uh, for food and product services. And uh, you see some of these big guys do at the fast food restaurants. They have the volume right. to be able to move. But the small mom and papa shops, the volume is just simply not there unless you pass that along to the consumer. Right. And that's something that we weren't excited about doing because nobody has any money. So right. What, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. It's not a good time to up your prices. And then, you know, dealing with all of that kind of thing. Now, I know you have gotten creative with some of the things you're doing. I know you're selling toys. You always have. But you've, you've come up with a system for that that works right now from what I've seen. Yeah, we doubled down on puzzles. So we were, we were able to see that, okay, if everyone's going to be stuck at home, they're going to need something to do. And I'd like to take the credit for this, but this is all, all my wife's innovation <laughs> here. She goes, yeah. It always <laughs> is, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> she's hearing this. I better say that. So the, uh, the puzzles, uh, unbeknownst to us, are also in extreme demand across the, the toy store uh, industry. Everyone was seeing that, the writing on the wall there. So we were lucky enough to get an order in and get some puzzles here in the region. And that was a big deal. And a lot of times it's not just a puzzle that you have to buy. But we're a hodgepodge, so we're a, a beer and bottle shop. We have some great beer selections, wine, and um, over 40 taps. And so that's, a, that's an attraction, as well as something that's supposed to be for families and that is family-friendly with the toys and the puzzle selection. So we're doing a lot of beer deliveries. We double down on bringing in selections that you can't normally get who are non-distributed. So we're driving into the cities, Portland, uh, over the... Uh, uh, you know, over the mountains and through the woods to get these different breweries uh, selections that makes us unique. And then we're delivering them and we're charging a premium for that. But that seems to be something that's exciting. On Sunday, I had a, uh, somebody out of uh, um, 
Canada give me a call. Their son had just moved into the region and we're making them a beer birthday cake. Oh, cool. And so there's actually no cake involved other than it looks like a cake. Yes, yes. No, I, I understand. No, that's great. <laughs> so, all right. So social goods market, you're located in downtown Newburgh, uh, across the street from City Hall. And uh, I assume you can get growlers and all that kind of stuff too right now. Yeah, we do growlers. We just had what's called growlers with a C. Those are 32-ounce cans. We just got a shipment in today, and we do uh, canning on site. Uh, cans are, uh, in my opinion, a lot better than glass because they uh, survive uh, a lot longer than you would in normal glass. Sure, uh, sure. Chow, and they so. survive the ride home, too, uh, without it being as likely yes. to break. So that totally makes sense. All right, so how does somebody send you an order? You know, right now, we're, we're doing it all in-house. We have not uh, gone with any other service, and that seems to be working for us. You can get us at info at vino, V-I-N-O, Oregon.com. Give us a call at 971-333-WINE. That's 971-333-8466. We're very active on our Facebook page. So it's facebook.com slash social goods market. Instagram, you know, we'll take smoke signals and car- uh, carrier pigeons at this point, but... Uh, <laughs> Just <laughs> whatever, no, whatever Judas works, but we'll, we'll get that out there on our social media as well. Social goods market. Danny, thank you for joining us. And maybe we could follow up in a few weeks and see how things are going. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hopeful uh, that we can uh, get some uh, relief here and uh, see each other face to face next time. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's where we want to go. All right. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. Support your local restaurants and small business and everything. We all got to pull through this thing. And I think that we're starting to get to the back end of it, but we want everybody to be there. And, you know, after talking a little bit about having to switch to delivery and some of the technology and uh, issues that are behind that and that type of thing, it's very important wherever you are to be able to support your mom and pop businesses. This week is May the 4th be with you. And Revenge Woo! of the Fifth. And Revenge of the Fifth, my day. <laughs> and that's an argument that could go on for an entire episode. But one of the things I did want to ask you about, we've talked a little bit in the past weeks that there isn't a lot of new stuff on television because like everything else, production is on hold. But one of the shows that did come down recently was uh, the new Star Wars, uh, Clone Wars, like the Clone final Wars. season of it. Yeah. So tell what is okay what is that because I know it's a production that went away and came back. Well, if you recall that when we went to the San Diego Comic Con, we saw Dave Filoni, um who are the other people? Ashley Eckstein. Uh, there was a whole bunch of them but they announced that they were going to be able to bring back the Clone Wars and conclude it. Yeah, for the final season so that we could actually tie up all the loose ends. Okay, so now that was about 2 years ago because uh, I know yes. we weren't in San Diego last year and I know they're not having one this year. So it's taken them a little time to do this. Oh, yeah. It was worth the wait. Okay. So this is beautifully done. Uh, not just, you know, uh, the artwork was done masterfully. The storytelling was done masterfully. The acting, everything was just, it was really, I was really pleased. It was I, amazing. I don't want to give anything away, and I want to cover this and actually maybe do a critique of it in future weeks. But for right now, not getting into the storyline and, and all of that, it definitely sounds like you're recommending seeing it. Oh, yeah. If you have the ability to watch it, do it. Where is it? Disney Plus. Disney Plus, okay. 
And uh, it's just included with the subscription or is it something separate? No, it's included with the subscription because you have a whole channel of just Star Wars stuff. Yeah. So the question- and, it, and it's at the end of the uh, Clone Wars series. Season seven. Season seven. Okay. And the question that I would ask on this is, and I, again, I remember when they announced it. Um, now, I was one that at that time I had not watched Clone Wars. I have since. I haven't seen the new ones, but I saw the original. And why was it so important that they bring it back? I mean, this was a campaign from the fans partially, wasn't it? Yes, it was. But uh, the reason they wanted to finish it was because they left it at um, like on a cliffhanger. Right. You know, like what's going to happen now? How did how did everything turn out? What, what happened, happened to, to Ahsoka? People? You yeah. know, all these people. And what happened to Rex? And this answers all of that and sounds like it does it nicely. Okay, so oh, yeah. what I think is let's go ahead and plan on talking about this in a little more detail in coming weeks. So give everybody a chance to see it before we get into any of the specifics. You know, not to spoil anything. Oh, yeah. And uh, send us what you think about it, and we'll include that on the air. And the way that you do that is by calling 503-766-6264 or sending us your questions at One User Friendly on Facebook or Twitter. This is User Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at TheAnswerPortland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.